Hey, Sean. Yes, sir. Did you know that this episode almost never happened? For why? So I was changing some electrical outlets in one of the rooms in my house. And you know when you uh, switch a breaker, generally all of the outlets in one room or the plugs or the light switches would be on the same breaker. You didn't test it before you started cutting wires? Oh, I did. I did. Okay, so the light switch and then three of the four electrical outlets. And I tested two of the electrical outlets on the opposite sides of the room, right? And they were all off. So I go through and then all of a sudden on the fourth outlet, I take it off the wall. And what did you know? Through my arm travels... <laughs> uh, I almost died, and that's a sad thing because this episode wouldn't have happened. Well, I- I'm glad it is going to happen, and I'm glad our listeners are going to happen. So stay tuned for this episode of the Scene on Screen podcast. And here I thought we were going to not be able to record because of something I did. <laughs> oh my God, it's doing it again. That's twice in a row. <laughs> it's it's my fault. It's because I'm <laughs> I'm filled with electricity. I'm electro right now. Seriously, my arm's still tingly. You should probably get that checked out. It's weird because the the plug that is was still live was the one directly below the light. And generally when um, a house... Or like when a light is installed, like if they're connecting it to an outlet, they'll be connected to one on the same wall or if, or whatnot, right? So when I was testing the outlets, I just made the false assumption that uh, <laughs> the outlet below the light was on a different or on the same breaker, but apparently it's not. Well, you learned your lesson. Hey, man, at least you're not me right now. We are... Not even five minutes into recording and a half hour into pre-show slash getting everything done for the week. And I could be in the biggest food coma. Uh, I went to the the tasting for our food for our wedding this week. Oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, my God, dude. I ate so much food that like it's so weird because they just like they tell you to just share with whoever you're with. Like COVID out the window, doesn't matter. Just share everybody's plates. It's cool. I will tell you, I you guys that are are coming, that are listening to the show, uh, are in for a treat. There's some very good food. We're still debating on a few things, but like we're we're pretty locked in. Oh, my God, I like I could fall asleep right now. That's how much food I had in me. So what you're saying is to come hungry. Come. Much like this episode of the Scene on Screen podcast. Woo. Only on 92.6, <laughs> The Lake. Um, yeah, but uh, aside from that, it's been a it's been a pretty chill week for us over here. We've, we watched a few things. We've, we've dabbled, <laughs> um, per se. I haven't done a lot of gaming, though. I've been playing a little bit of uh, 
Brawl Stars on my phone. So, mobily, I've been playing some stuff. It's funny, last night I turned on my Xbox and promptly turned it off. I'm like, nobody's online. I'm just kind of not feeling this. <laughs> cool. That's fun. I It's spring. Now I just want to do it a lot less. Spring has sprung. Uh, and up in the great north, we have reached a nice warm seven degrees Celsius. I believe they call that the thaw. Actually, uh, I can see more of my lawn. You know, I'm actually really excited for uh, this weekend because Saturday it is uh, supposed to be about 19 or 20 degrees. Yawn, we had Um, that last week. Yes, but if you look at it this way, it'll be a whole 60 degrees warmer than when I arrived here. Wow. That is uh, is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, Aside from the (laughs) the obvious film that we're going to talk about in a little bit, have you watched anything or is there anything that's been kind of catching your eye on the, you know, the old Netflix or anything? Um, you know what, to be totally honest with you, no. Um, I watched some trailers recently. Nice. Nice. There's a new one that uh, you might be interested in. It is the, uh, true life story of weird Al Yankovic. I did see that. The, um, the Daniel you know, Radcliffe one. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because he's ripped in that. And, that, <laughs> and someone on, uh, on uh, Reddit commented like, when was weird Al ever, ever ripped? And then, uh, do you remember the movie UHF? Yes. And there's the parody of, uh, Rambo where he's wearing that like muscly suit. So someone just posted a a link to uh, Weird Al wearing that muscly suit. See, he's always being ripped. So I don't know. That movie will be interesting. The one thing that I find really curious about that is that it's a Roku original film. Interesting. Did you? I didn't even catch that. No. Yeah. So it'll be you can stream it free on the Roku app. Um, on I guess I guess you could download it on other things other than a Roku player, but um, I am curious about this because I'm pretty sure a lot of those free streaming services like Roku or Tubi they only do standard def. So is this movie going to be streamed in high def or is it going to be low quality? It'll be the quality you expect it to be, but the movie looks. Interesting. I've been excited for it, especially ever since I found out like um, Daniel Radcliffe kind of knew how to rap. It's been kind of like, oh yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure you've seen the video of him doing the alphabet aerobics. He's a uh, mm-hmm. very very articulate in it. So I, I'm excited to see where the movie goes. Um, I forget the name of the the Mike Myers movie that's coming out. Penta Penta Verde. Um, yes, that one looks interesting. It's been a while since we've had a Mike Myers movie, right? Right? Yeah. The last one was, what was it? The Love Guru? Mm, And that one did not do very well. I think we had something beyond that. What I'm legitimately interested in is the Jurassic World Dominion trailer that dropped. We got old cast and new cast. We've got everything going on. Okay. Watch the Jurassic World Dominion trailer and then take a shot. Every time someone is shown standing with their hand up, point like 
stretched outwards. Yeah. You'd be drunk. You'd be drunk by the end of the <laughs> the trailer. Hmm. It's the okay. one thing that just really kind of stood out to me in that. Like, I'm sure the movie will be entertaining as stupid as it is. Um, you know, it's just the whole thing is them just standing with their hands out to calm down a dinosaur. But okay, hold on. The stupidest premise of that is how he apparently has to save Blue's baby raptor because he made a promise to her. It's a freaking dinosaur. They don't know if you make a promise to them or not. I could talk to, uh, I could say to my dog, I promise to buy you two bones tomorrow and never do it. And they wouldn't know. The dog wouldn't care. (laughs) That's fair. Such a stupid premise. Oh, I think the movie's going to be ass. I really do. But I think it's like, I, I, I have to watch it. Yeah. It's cool that they're bringing back the original cast again. Yeah, and I don't know. Do you do you just feel like they're they're depending on nostalgia? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, hey, we don't know how else we can sell this movie, so this is how we're going to to sell it. Excuse me. Kind of. I feel like it was the same thing with um, Jurassic Park three, right? Like that was a big thing that they were used to sell the third movie is that they were bringing the original cast back, or at least some of them. So this one's bringing even more of the original cast back. Yeah, they're pulling. Excuse me. They're pulling at your heartstring. Yeah, they're cracking at that dino egg. The dino egg of your heart. (laughs) Um, Uh, What else did I see? I saw another trailer. But I can't think of it now. This week, I don't think there was any other massive trailers unless I'm mistaken though oh, the i think we talked about it last week thor love and thunder finally got a trailer we did um man but that's gonna bother me i'm pretty sure there was another trailer that i saw if it comes to your brain it comes to your brain um i don't know there's now now you got me all screwed up because I, I like I, I had a plan i had a thought now it's gone um was it the movie men was oh, it? Oh no, the kids in the hall. Oh yes, the Amazon so, trailer. Yeah, okay, folks from the United States of America who might not necessarily know the, I don't know, probably some of the funniest comedy, like sketch comedy, ever made. Like I say, some of the stuff is funnier than like SNL and those things. Kids in the hall was a group uh well what was a a more well-known youtube one uh whitest kids you know yeah you know similar to that so kids in the hall was like a sketch comedy group from i don't know like a long time ago 80s 90s um and they the trailer dropped for the new series that's coming on amazon prime video it looks so funny and i think i'm gonna love this because the trailer just pretty much calls out how everything has to be PC now and you can't do anything to offend anyone. And the trailer looks like it's going to just poke fun at absolutely everything. I cannot wait. That comes out on next Friday, May 13th. So 
What there was a movie coming out on May twentieth that everybody was hyped up for, but I also forget. Oh, the Rescue Rangers. Yeah, we talked about that last week. How could you forget, dude? It's been a very long two weeks. A very very long two weeks, but it's okay. Um, I did want to talk just just a smidgen about the the new hall I think Fortnite has over the world. Um. As you know, I have attempted to start playing it again, but I'm not really like, you know what? I got to play Fortnite every night. Did Disney and Epic Games quietly have a baby together? There's an no. awful lot of Marvel content in there. And now um, Obi-Nobi Kenobi's in there. Yeah, well, it's not the first time. But there's also some Star Wars events coming up, too. Yeah, but they did a big Star Wars event uh, back before... The Rise of Skywalker. That's a while ago, though. Yeah, but they've done they've done Star Wars stuff before, so that I'm not surprised that they haven't. And I think this is probably a a prime time to do it as well because they did just kind of uh, reinvent the Fortnite uh, equation, so to speak. You know, it's gone back to its roots. But then in order to entice people to play again, who might not have necessarily been like you and be like, you know, you know what? I'm going to jump back in. They took out all of those mechanics that I don't didn't necessarily like. I'm sure there's still a lot of people that still haven't gone back in. But now if they're saying that mm, there's a Star Wars promo for the Obi-Nobi Kenobi series, I love Obi-Nobi Kenobi. Let's see what that is. Yeah, right? From what I could tell, it would it, there's like two different Star Wars events happening, which is kind of interesting and nice. So I don't know. I, I've I've slowly got some interest in it. I've also uh, had uh, renewed interest in some uh, diminished assets and games that I, I haven't played in a while, like Tomb Raider. Um, with the the announcement this week that Embracer. You ever heard of that company? Embracer. Or is it called in? Is it called Embracer? I think it's Embracer Group. Or is it like Embracer? No, it it holds everything. You know, it supports everything within its clutches. So the official name is Embracer Group <laughs> AB, formerly known as Nordic Games Licensing and THQ Nordic. Oh, it, it was THQ Nordic. Okay, I thought it was like some weird, obscure company. Well, they they pulled out their checkbook this week and they were like, you know what? We can't afford some of the big stuff. So they, they dropped a cool $300 million and they bought Square Enix. Both, uh, they, they pretty much bought a lot of North American companies from what we can tell. Uh, Adios Montreal, uh, Square Enix Montreal. But the big things that they bought were Tomb Raider. That was the bit the big guy, right? Uh, yeah, that's probably be the biggest one, and then maybe uh, second biggest one would be Deus Ex. Um, and they also bought. Oh my God, there's so many lists that we have open today. Um, they bought. Wow, my brain is absolute mush. I apologize, everywhere. Didn't they just buy also Marvel? They bought essentially all the Marvel video games. So they bought the Avengers, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, they didn't buy those games. They just own the studios that have the license for those games, right? So yeah. they 
I guess maybe it's uh, an easy way for maybe the parent company to to have some control over um, have some control over like the the Marvel license, so to speak. Um, but I think those licenses still would only pertain to those specific companies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just interesting that it's Square Enix essentially sold off majority of their North American uh, like developers, right? Like Adios, um, Crystal Dynamics, um, whole bunch of those ones. There's so many there that like so many random ones. Um, so from my point of view, I think this is kind of a way for Square Enix to focus more of their time and energy on, um, their, their main content, like their Final Fantasy RPG, um, kind of niche industry, <laughs> right? Cause uh, I I know that a lot of people have kind of well, not necessarily that they've they've gone away from the Final Fantasy stuff, but the Final Fantasy gameplay experience has changed drastically over the years, right? So now everything has kind of gone back to like the hack and slash action RPG. Whereas um, I read recently that there was a statement from Square Enix saying that their next upcoming Final Fantasy game would be not more accessible but longtime fans of more classic final fantasy games would be able to enjoy it more so i wonder if this is all kind of part of that where they can focus more of their time and energy on their own main ips rather than having to manage these other developer companies right because like like EA, right? Like they own all of these big multiple companies, right? Yeah. And then if one's working on a game and they're not making enough money, then EA shuts them down, right? Because ultimately, sure, we'll say Respawn, for example. If, if Respawn made Titanfall 2 and it totally bombed um, and EA was like, no, we're going to shut you down because we don't want to f- fund this company anymore right well that's how they go about funneling their f- money to other areas right whereas another option would be to sell them off completely and not saying that uh like crystal dynamics or Eidos or it aren't making money right because the games that they make are very good games right like the tomb raider the last three tomb raider games they've just been getting better and better and better right so it might not necessarily be a financial not like a a need for the money like they can't financially support these companies but I wonder if it's just a restructuring where it's like you know it there's too much for us to deal with right now let's get rid of some of these these uh kind of umbrella or like uh smaller companies that we control so that we can focus more on our core IP. So it, you, it, you know, you're probably not wrong. It kind of came out of like nowhere a, though. That's the thing. It's a weird acquisition for a company that owns 
it doesn't own a ton of stuff. Like I found it interesting that last or in December it bought Asmodee, but they own Gearbox Entertainment, which they purchased in um, August or the sale was completed in April, 2021, but they also picked up cryptic studios. They, they own everything gearbox as of December, 2021, mm-hmm. they own 3d realms. So they have all Sabre. Uh, they actually now own all of Sabre interactive as well. And all their tiny studios. And they did acquire or absorb THQ Nordic. So maybe this is just becoming a little bit more of a conglomerate. It did say in the article that they picked up 30 AAA titles and 230 total titles. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not a bad haul for three hundred mil. No, but and and the thing is, like, if they're big enough to purchase all these studios, then I think they might be too big for the likes of Sony or Microsoft to justifiably purchase them. Yes and no, because I think they took on a lot of debt here. Like they took on some titles, and maybe this is why it was only a three hundred million dollar price tag, but. Um, just as an example, Square Enix lost $200 million on Marvel games last year. Well, since launch, uh, Avengers will transfer over to Embracer Group, but that is both Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers game. So that mm-hmm. that is a large sum of money to lose. So was this like a a five hundred thousand or a five hundred million dollar valuation? But they were like, you know what? We want two hundred million dollars off because you lost that money producing these games. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually have, let's see, with their uh, net sales. And I don't know what these are in sec. What's a sec? That's Swedish dollars. This is too long. They actually have uh, their interim report that was just released on their website. Net sales increased by 135% to sec. So this is Swedish dollars. Five thousand eighty-five point two million. What is that in uh, Canadian dollars? What was the number again? Five thousand. Oh, Swedish krona. Five thousand five. Okay, hold on. This is that's. Why do they do that? That's like five point eight five million dollars. That's like <laughs> six six hundred and sixty. Six million six hundred and seven thousand dollars. So they increased a fairly significant amount. Net sales for business area games increased by 170. Like they are, they're doing well actually. Uh, total number of games development projects increased by 44% to 216. Total headcount, their headcount increased by six. Like, so the company from based off these numbers, uh, it doesn't look like it's doing poorly so the thing is is maybe it did acquire a significant amount of debt who knows we'll we'll never know the the details unless they release it in a uh, a report like this um but it looks like they're doing well enough that any debt that they took on doesn't necessarily isn't going to really affect them too much yeah, they're they're eva- they're evaluated at an eleven billion dollar company. Yeah, so and, and like they have a bunch change, of but. they have a bunch of studios, but I can't really think of like Purple Lamp, Powwow Entertainment, Keiko, 
Appeal Studios. Like I can't re- Bugbear Entertainment. Can't really think of anything that these studios made, but THQ Nordic is like their publisher um, and Handy Games. So Purple Lamp Studios oh. made SpongeBob SquarePants, Battle for Bikini Bottom, Rehydrated, and Sea of Thieves. Caught Coach Media, Deep Silver Games, Violation or Volt. Yeah, Vol Volt Volteon, I don't know. Raven Software Deep Silver Publisher. So they own okay, so they, they own, a, own lot of stuff. a lot of stuff. That w- the more you look into this, the more you've probably been like you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I I recognize this." Um Wait, do they own Raven Software or Raven's Court? Raven's Court. Sorry, Raven's Court is Munich, Germany. Deep Silver <laughs> Could you imagine if they bought the other piece of the Call of Duty puzzle for $300 million? <laughs> Yo, Rainbow yeah. Studios has made a lot of really good games. So they made um, all the MX games. MX Via uh, versus ATV Unlimited. They made Cars. They made Star Wars Racer Revenge. Mm-hmm. On Revenge of the Sith Day. That's pretty cool. They own Aspire Publishers now. They own so, Aspire Publishers. Aspire. As, Aspire. Aspire. Asp. Aspire. Hey, Aspire. Yeah, that's a big thing though. That because they do a lot of ports of older games, but then also that company also publishes and does a lot of ports for Mac, or at least not so much anymore because. Max can natively run x86 code. It just has to be programmed for it. But the before they made a lot of games for uh, Mac before they were uh, Intel based. So yeah, there's a there's a the more this just keeps going more and more and more. Jeez. Anyways, so that was a big sale. Who's going to be bought next? Um, somebody you'd least expect. I don't know. The um, the hopes would be EA gets bought by somebody who cares. You know what? That'd be the day. The day that EA is purchased is the day that I willingly listen to country music. <laughs> um, before we get into our next topic, I, I forgot about a trailer I saw the other day. It was launched about a month ago, but I, I wanted to know if you've seen it. Do you know Cities Skylines is coming to Oculus or MetaQuest 2 as Cities VR? Really? Yeah. That's cool. Coming spring 2022. I don't think it's launched yet, but I want to play it. I want to play it all up in my face. How do you do that? Well, it's going to be like a 3D world builder. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I saw that trailer the other day and I forgot to send it to you and I was like, wow, this is this is quite incroyable. Now, what we're really here to talk about is Doctor Strange. So sit your butts down. I'm about to spoil the whole thing. Carl did it from The Walking Dead. Just kidding. We are not going to talk about Doctor Strange because it's not fair. David hasn't seen it yet. Only I have seen it. I'm I've got a bunch of mixed reactions, some positive, a little bit of negative, but uh, overall, I can't wait to share it next week, along with our highly anticipated breakdown of Moon Knight and what we thought. 
I don't even want to talk about it right now because I'm so excited. I want everybody to have a chance to watch it. I understand that like this week is especially crazy because, you know, Moon Knight, then Doctor Strange. But I can't wait to talk about it and get everybody's thoughts. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, Moon Knight was probably the first one since uh, Loki that I wouldn't say that it had my interest as much as Loki did, but it kept me interested enough that I wanted to watch the next episode. Like I wasn't struggling or forcing myself to watch it like uh, Nighthawk. Was it Nighthawk? What's oh, the who's uh, Captain <laughs> Captain uh, Captain Hawk Captain America and the Winter the Winter Soldier? No, not that one. The one with the one... uh, the bow and arrow guy. Oh, Hawkeye! Hawkeye, that's right. You yeah, need to retire, and... dude. <laughs> Hawkeye and actually Captain Winter Soldier uh, America. That one was just kind of like uh, okay, we're watching it because. It was the new thing to watch, right? You um, felt but, obligated to. But Moon Knight, I think part of what made Moon Knight so interesting is that it was a character that they hadn't done before, right? So there was no real history on screen or anything like that. Um, and the story was interesting enough that they, like I said, kept you wanting to watch the next one because they left it with, they gave you just enough answers, but then left just enough questions to keep you watching. But We'll talk about that next week once uh, more people have had a chance to finish it. Yes. Now, what we can talk about this week is Vengeance, a tale of the Batman. It's a romantic little tale about this uh, this vampire who's turned into a bat, and he's uh, the caped crusader of Gotham City. And Wait, uh, I'm just trying to watched, see if David's paying watched, attention. We watched different movies. I thought it was a bat that turned into a man. Oh, it's man bat. He turns. Yeah, so- he he goes into this man goes into a, a machine that transports him to another machine, and there is a bat inside of it. And then he gets the bat DNA in his body, and then he slowly turns into a bat. Yes. So for those who haven't figured out our terrible explanations of these movies, we are talking about the Batman starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and spoilers ahead. If you don't want to hear it, movie's been out for three months, guys, Yeah, you know, the drill. So we both watched it this weekend and uh, I'm very curious of your thoughts. Well, Sean, here are my thoughts. It wasn't it like that tweet you saw <laughs> the greatest Cinematic masterpiece of all time. I would say it's far from the greatest cinematic masterpiece of all time. That still goes to Wonder Woman 1984. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like a horrible movie. Um, I felt that some parts of it did drag on a little bit. Um, the the intro or like not the intro, but like the beginning part of it was kind of slow because they did. I felt like they milked a lot of like the slow-mo shots and of him walking and stuff like that. But I think they did a pretty good job at introducing the character without having to go too much on the origin story again. Right. Like he's already established as the, the guy to be afraid of at night. You know, like everyone knows of the Batman and who he is. And he's this like mysterious figure that uh, 
bad guys are afraid of. Yes. Now, I didn't mind the whole slow burn Ave Maria thing. And like when we were sitting there, we were watching. And we were like, do we have to see Thomas and Martha Wayne die again? Because that's what we immediately thought was going to happen the way the movie started off. Mm-hmm. But like 10 minutes into the movie, they already kind of like they set up something and then it never happened. Like that whole, um, what were they calling the, um, oh, the druggies that were called droppers, right? Yeah. Th- those guys like, um, jumping the dude, uh, at the, the monorail or the, the train terminal. Right. Mm-hmm. And the kid has half his face painted and you're like, Oh my God, that's going to be like the, the lieutenant, like Gordon's son. Because you're immediately looking at it like, oh, this one they made um, not Commissioner Gordon yet, but Lieutenant Gordon. Um, some people were a little upset that he was uh, cast as an African American. I actually thought he did a wonderful job. He yeah, might have been I think probably it, one of the best parts of the movie. I think he, he himself made the story feel different, right? Because like we're so used to seeing the same types of characters cast for the same roles, right? So this. Mm-hmm. Just having a different, you know, a person of color play Commissioner Gordon or sorry, Lieutenant Gordon made it so that you're like, okay, you know what? This is a new take on this character and they didn't make a big deal about it, right? Like it wasn't like some movies where it's like, oh, hey, big deal. Like so-and-so is being played by this person. And then it feels like they really milk that because honestly, I didn't even realize until watching the movie that commissioner Gordon was a person of color and uh, it didn't bother, like it didn't affect the film at all. And I think he did a great job. He's just, yeah, totally. Well, I, like I knew that from the trailer. So foreshadowing the kid that they showed where his face was half painted and they wanted him to like commit that crime. Did you not think that that was his son? Uh, like, no, because like, at the time I, like, I didn't realize that. Oh, you... uh, <laughs> no, my 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 big thing, and like I waited for the payoff the entire movie. What is the connection? Why were they so focused on this kid? Right, there was nothing, and they just abandoned it. I think and maybe they had like other plans, and it just it was like a a subplot that just never came to fruition. But I think... why would you set something up like that? Well, I think it was more for the the buildup of the intro, like how they were showing that he was this figure to be scared of it. And, uh, that kid was going down a path, but then after seeing the Batman in the flesh and how he beat the shit out of everyone, it kind of, well, you would hope because we didn't see it, but change his mind on, on that path that he was going down. Right. He was scared straight. Yes. The um I will say even that montage though was really well done. So the that whole montage of like the different people committing crimes and the bat signal up in the air and nobody really knowing if Batman was coming after them, I thought was really very well done. And if we're if we're also talking about like the things that made the movie great, cinematography was A1. I thought yeah. the shot selection was great. The, the the clarity of the shots. like I know the joke is always like crime only happens in Gotham City when it's raining or when the camera's tilted on an angle. 
But did you not feel that rain while, like, with some of those swooping shots over the city? Like, yeah, no, it it looked. I don't know. I'm I'm a person that uh, really likes rainy days, so (laughs) I really did enjoy a lot of the rain scenes, and it just felt like okay, this is cool. Uh, Visually, though, yeah, I agree. The movie looked phenomenal. I was very impressed with it. It felt more. It felt like it was taking the Batman character more seriously than some of the previous movies. Even the uh, Christopher Nolan movies, they had great sweeping shots and they had great visuals and stuff like that. But if you compare those versus this one, this feels more like a like a film noir, right? Like a gritty, very visually appealing crime drama with Batman in it. And crime drama is perfect. It wasn't just a bash and crash. Batman is going after the Joker or Mr. Freeze. He was solving the crimes. He was like... Oh, mm-hmm. it, it just it felt gritty. It felt like a crime drama. You're right. And I and that's what I really liked about this one, because they it was a slow burn on trying to discover the next puzzle piece. Um, and they were always kind of one step behind the Riddler in that. And the way that they kind of discovered the answers to these riddles and these clues and the next step, it was more brain power than technology power, right? Like granted, yes, they did have um, the computer that kind of isolated certain letters and stuff like that to find like a weird message for Bruce. Right. But Overall, though, all of the puzzles were them figuring them out. So it really showed that Bruce Wayne was a very smart, like a very intelligent person who is quite possibly the world's greatest detective. Right? Well, was the Batcave also just a decommissioned train station? Yeah, I don't really understand where that was because like, yeah, it was not really outside of anywhere and he just kind of, yeah went down in the subway, which is kind of cool though, because it kind of shows that he's still in the thick of it. Like he's still right in the downtown core of Gotham, which would explain why he can kind of come and go as quickly as he does. Right. Because in previous Batman movies and series and TV shows, and stuff like that, he's always lived in like a big ass mansion, you know, outside of Gotham city. So, when he needs to be called to go somewhere, you know, he's got to take transit. <laughs> right. So it didn't really make much sense that he's always in Gotham right away when he lives so far away. So that was kind of an interesting take on the whole thing. Um, yeah. The, the fact that he was in like a high rise versus like Wayne Manor was also something huge, right? Mm-hmm. Cause every movie he's always been in, um, like this manner that you had to drive way off into the distance to get to. And this one, he was just taking a turn off the subway station. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
I think what, what didn't you like? Oh well, are we gonna get there just yet? Or what if was you your, want. What was your favorite scene? Uh oof. um there was two scenes that I, I really liked. If I can answer with two. Sure. So the scene where he realizes um the bomb, like he or he is gonna be the next victim, Bruce Wayne will be, mm-hmm. and how they shot the bomb going off and how um they they made mention to that like he was far too late. Like it happened an hour ago, but he couldn't get through and he was rushing. And when he finally like crested the hill, he was able to see Wayne uh, tower on fire. Mm -hmm. And that was, I thought beautifully done. It was very well done. I thought the timing and urgency because it made the movie pick up speed in the urgency area. The second scene that I thought was phenomenal looking was when he goes through the roof of uh, Gotham square garden. Just the explosion, him finally gliding down in a bat suit that doesn't look like some terrible CGI weird bat suit um, going into battle, I thought was really, really well done. Those were my two favorite scenes. Yes. So I am right there with you on that first one. I thought that was that really showed, especially when he's in the Batmobile and he's driving and like he's he's like screaming right you can and he's like so upset that he can't get a hold of um alfred right but you can't hear him scream like it was very it just was a lot more intense than just like oh my god i didn't get home in time and now alfred blew up um <laughs> that we was talking about cool. how the batmobile was just a muscle car with a massive engine. Yeah, I think jet engine <laughs> Batmobile. So I think I think part of this, like what made this so a lot more interesting, is that it was more realistic about the equipment that he had. Like the Batmobile, yeah, it was just a a souped up muscle car with you know a big ass engine and like a jet engine on the back or something like that, right? Did it have the jet engine on the back? Well, most of them did. Like the original Batmobile from Adam West had a rocket engine. Mm -hmm. Um, and his when he jumped off the top of the uh, the building there, he didn't just like glide down with his bat. He actually had a wingsuit, which is pretty cool because it shows that like you know he actually uses things that are realistic. I didn't like the wingsuit. Really. Yeah, I liked when he like came through the the roof of the building, and he was gliding down with the like symbol of the bat as his cape. Yes, but see, that's two different things. Like gliding down using the the cape is more of more of a parachute, right? Is one thing, but then using it as like a wingsuit itself just seemed a little more unrealistic. In other movies, right? Whereas this one, he's trying to get away and actually fly, right? And or glide down. I think it makes more sense for maneuver maneuverability and and uh, and all that. I thought it was kind of cool, an interesting take on that. Um, and then the, I, I like how everything kind of comes to a a head near the end, where they're in the uh, stadium 
And that's where majority of the action is in the entire movie. Now it is kind of a long movie. It's like three hours long. Um, but it's not like justice league long where you're like, okay, where is this getting like, when is this going to get good? Because sure. It did have some (laughs) slow parts, but it, uh, it was giving you just enough to keep you interested. Right. Like, cause a good crime drama answers just enough questions, but then comes up with more questions in, in a, the pacing was, was good. Right. But then it's not a Batman movie. If there's not him using his gadgets and beating up a bunch of thugs, right. We got a little bit of that in the beginning, um, but not so much any of that. Oh, and I guess at the clubs and stuff like that, but nothing to the extent that we expect from a Batman film. Right. Truth. Um, the thing that I kind of it, it sucked to hear, but going into the movie, people were like, oh, yeah, the third act is really slow. So you're telling me like the Riddler, like blowing up the seawalls because Bruce Wayne wasn't smart enough to figure out the whole riddle. And then him having to like go into battle with that, like orchestrated cult plan was slow question mark mm-hmm. I'm like i'm i'm confused because i actually for like a marvel fanboy as i am i thought this movie was really good we really enjoyed it we did pace I, ourselves knowing it was three hours so we paused at the midway mark to grab like snacks and stuff and like go to the washroom but mm-hmm. that's the benefit of watching movies at your house yeah that's so, true i i thought that the the finale the the third part was really well done it it showed his passion for justice but also showed that he was he was not invincible right because like when he fell when he got shot right like he took the brunt force of what that shotgun in the chest or something like that so yeah. obviously he didn't die because of his armor, but he was so like, I guess he got the wind knocked out of him so much. And then he fell off the platform, got drawn up and he was just like weak. He had, and it showed that he wasn't this invincible person that he could be defeated. Uh, and then he really, the only way that he could win is by uh, giving himself a shot of what I would assume is uh, adrenaline, but it was bright green. So, I think it's safe to assume that that's the stuff that that uh, Bane guy <laughs> uses. Yeah, that, um, that's actually interesting because I never thought about what Batman injected into himself. I thought it was either adrenaline or it could have been some sort of kryptonite. But like, how would he be aware? Mm-hmm. I like obviously it's we're probably supposed to believe that it's it's uh, adrenaline, but it was like a bright green color. And the only other liquid thing in, uh, in Batman, that's that color that I can think of is the power juice stuff that Bane injects himself with. Right. So yeah, according to the internet, it was adrenaline. Yeah. And and I think that's probably the most likely explanation. It, it, but it could also be one of those things that, uh, you know, they maybe maybe they did it that way so that if they do a second movie, they could connect it, saying that you know maybe Bruce Wayne's technology had inadvertently 
created Bane, right? Like they can do whatever they want. Like they don't necessarily have to follow the the storyline of the comics so much as long as they kind of just put the characters in there. And I think that's what um this one's going to do. If they do a second one, if they do a third one, I think what they're doing is they're kind of rewriting the classic Batman film method. And you know what? I'm for it because it's already got a sequel coming. And if the cast is half half as good as the one that we just got, sign me up. Like this could Mm -hmm. be like, I know it's not considered DCEU, but like you're getting like, you'd have to assume Zoe Kravitz would be coming back as Catwoman, Selena Kyle, Jeffrey Wright, uh, commissioner Gordon, or I'd assume he'd become commissioner, which he was also the voice of the watcher. And what if, Fun fact, if you did not Mm. know that, but the two people I was most impressed with in that movie, actually three, all villains were incredible. Colin Farrell as the Penguin, incredible. Paul Dano as the Riddler, unbelievably sadistic. But John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, my God, he played uh, a mobster hitman so well. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you ever play now near the end of the movie? I was like, okay, this, this movie has a lot of parallels between, between something I've watched or seen already. Did you ever play the telltale games, uh, Batman, like the first Batman game that they made? I didn't, but it reminded me a lot of Arkham cities. So the story in the Batman seems to be very similar in aspects to the story of the telltale Batman where it's like the, the Wayne, um, the Wayne family was funding. Uh, I don't know if it was an orphanage, but if it was like the, the mental hospital in that one, um, there was like a lot of kind of things with the Falcone family and, penguin was in there there was that whole love thing with uh with catwoman the whole conversation at the end of the movie with her trying to convince him to go away with him like there's a lot of parallels between the two um which i didn't hate but at the same time it was like okay um i liked how that story was like it made it so that bruce wayne isn't uh it, isn't uh, isn't like a, a holier than thou kind of guy, right? You know, his family had their issues and stuff like that. Not saying that their family was made out to be a bad person, but the money that they were given or donating was used in the wrong way, which then inadvertently made people hate the Wayne family and stuff like that, right? Um, overall, good movie. But there are some I, things that we disliked. I, I would have liked to see Bruce Wayne's story finish or at least continue and reconcile some of the things with Gotham City. Especially with the new mayor kind of taking over. You had an opportunity, especially with that conversation that happens at the funeral, right? You have that opportunity to be like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make Bruce a person of the people, kind of like when he was in Batman versus Superman, right? But the whole conflict with the Riddler in Batman versus Superman was the fact that he was fired from Wayne Enterprises. 
which is why he was all like salty, right? And that's right. Went on this insane vengeance. That was or did the Riddler actually do anything in Batman versus Superman, or did they just tease it? Was the Riddler in Batman versus Superman? Wasn't he, or was that the the um, Batman Forever where that was Batman Forever with, with uh, yeah, that was Batman Forever. Oh, with, Clooney, um, that's the Clooney one. Yeah, damn. With um, what's his name? There's too many Batman. <laughs> yeah, that was the nipple Batman um, era. So, if you could have changed one thing about the movie, I already said that, like finishing. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's story, or at least making Bruce Wayne's story a little bit more feasible would have been a good start. What would you do? Catwoman's stupid fucking mask. Wait, she had a stupid fucking mask? It was the stupidest thing in that entire movie. What? You couldn't tell it was her? Oh, no. She literally cut a hole out of a toque and was like, I'm going to wear this like an idiot. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, like... All of the costumes and everything, the set designs, all of that stuff looked great. And then somewhere, someone thought that using a toque with the hole cut out halfway through it and then wearing it so that the a bottom strip covers her nose was a good mask for the for Catwoman. It doesn't make any sense. Like they showed the fact that, like, sure she they wanted you to believe that she was, you know, not very well off and lived in kind of like a slummy area and stuff like that. And sure. Like she had an apartment in a dingy, dingy building. But when Batman was spying on her, we see her closet filled with all of her gadgets and equipment and stuff like that. She's got a fancy, well-made leather suit. You know, she's, well trained that from the strip club <laughs> maybe but still you'd think that uh if she can have like a, a dozen different wigs she could get a a better mask of sorts it just felt like it did not fit in um it just looked really cheap it's like they also- they forgot that <laughs> in the budget and they're like oh shit send the intern to go get a get something and come up with something real quick <laughs> you send the intern for chips and they come back <laughs> with walmart like brand yeah you were supposed to get lays um i don't know my final thought on that as well just because like i thought some of her story was a little hastily done mm-hmm. um the whole oh hey dad and then she just like pulls out the gun like you telling me he had no idea whatsoever based on based solely off the conversation you have earlier, where it's like, how do you know Falcone? Oh, well, like clearly you had a personal relationship with the dude and he Mm -hmm. was well aware of that. So like, how did that just escape? I don't know. Bad writing. What would you give it out of 10? Out of 10, I would give it a solid eight. Nice. I was going to say, I was going to give it seven and a half batarangs out of 10. Oh, yeah, I guess I, I wasn't going in halves. I was just going to be straight up full batarangs because why why throw half a batarang when you could full? Of th- <laughs> well, that's a tongue twister. Why throw half a batarang when you can throw a full batarang? All right. So we have one topic left. It's an important one. We're getting into it. You ready? Yes, sir. 
Man, that makes me so, want to watch Star Wars. It's that very <laughs> rare time of the year where we get to uh, talk about Star Wars, which we talk about all the time. But more effectively, today is Revenge of the Sixth Day, which, uh, as you guys know, that only happens once every seven years on a Friday, which is the day that we usually release our shows. So we are talking about Revenge of the Sith for a few minutes, and we're super excited. David. Greatest your... cinema masterpiece ever made. No, it's a terrible movie. It's not a terrible <laughs> movie. <laughs> it's better than episode two, but Revenge and of the Sith. And it's also better than uh, eight and nine. So Yes, this is true. Revenge of the Sith is one of those movies that I think really brought together um, a whole generation of Star Wars content. Because... Between episode two and episode three, we had so much more content that was made that really expanded the Star Wars universe. Um, Like episode one, sure, like introduce a whole bunch of new things, right? But it was during that time period between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith that we got. We got uh, the Clone Wars TV show. Right, which seven seasons really expanded the star Wars universe and connected the the two films and by itself, I would say revenge of the Sith is obviously not, it's not a great movie, but I think it's one of those movies out of all the star Wars films that if I had to pick one, I would probably watch that one because that battle scene at the end with, uh, you know, against Obi-Nobi Kenobi, as silly as some of the choreography, <laughs> chore, 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 that choreography, choreography is done. It is a great battle system or battle scene. The music is top notch. Um, it's just great. I, I'd agree. Now, out of all the Star Wars films I saw in theaters. This one's probably still my favorite to see in theaters. I don't know. There was something about it. It was like, this was high school, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like still when like you're seeing a lot of movies with a, like large groups of friends. So it was probably one of the last like Star Wars movies I saw with a large group. Mm-hmm. That feeling, that anticipation of waiting, the KFC bucket with your favorite Star Wars characters before the movie, you know. Yeah, and you had, to, you had to line up hours in advance just so that you know that you get a good seat. I remember watching I'm pretty sure it was Spider-Man 2 on somebody's PSP while we were waiting for Revenge of the Sith. I'm pretty sure that was that movie we watched that. Huh. On the PSP, right? eh? On that PSP, you know, those so, UHDs? Fun fact, I've seen Revenge of the Sith three times in theaters and twice were five years ago. <laughs> twice was within the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, that movie does look great on the big screen for sure. Um, you're, I know you're not there yet in Clone Wars, but the last I guess, well, season seven, really the last season of Clone Wars, primarily the last half of it 
takes place at the exact same time as the events of episode three. So it's really interesting because after watching that, you get a, a more complete story of what's going on in the Star Wars universe. And not only how, you know, things are affecting Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Padme and, and all of the, the Jedi order, but how it affects everyone else. Um, I know that someone on Reddit was doing a, a multi hour special edition cut where they were cutting the episodes, the last few episodes of Clone Wars into Star Wars Episode 3. That's interesting. Where they actually go back and forth because there's, without spoiling it, because you need to watch it, but there's parts where they are in Clone Wars talking about events that are taking place at the exact same time in Revenge of the Sith. And it's just like, oh my God, like you've seen that side of it and now you're you're learning what the other side of things is. It's like, oh, if only something had done, like they'd done something differently, right? Like the events could have changed, right? So I think, like I said earlier, I think this one has brought so much to the Star Wars universe. And well, Jedi Fallen Order. That takes place within months after Revenge of the Sith. Right? Great so game. uh yeah. Um the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, that takes place shortly after episode three. Will that come out finally? Holy crap. <laughs> I know, right? Um so I don't know. Revenge of the Sith is probably one of my top three Star Wars movies. Um Number one would be Empire Strikes Back. Number two, Revenge of the Sith. And I know it's corny and, and old and outdated, but my number three movie is Star Wars Episode One. Over Return? Interesting. Yeah, you know what? Return of the Jedi, I'll watch it. It has its good parts. Like the first the first half of the movie is pretty good, but then once I get to Endor and all the Ewoks and stuff like that, it just kind of meh. Um, <laughs> yeah, you remember the Ewoks? I remember the Ewoks. Yeah, but uh, we're we're also going to talk about some of our favorite Star Wars games. Well, I was going to ask you what your absolute favorite part of um, oh. Revenge of the Sith was first, but oh, absolute favorite part of Revenge of the Sith—that would be the the final battle. <laughs> of course, who wouldn't? Who doesn't love watching Anakin and Obi Wan Kenobi go at it? Are you sure it's not the part where Anakin goes completely unhinged and uh, loses it on a daycare? <laughs> well, like that's a given, you know, that's uh childbuster 3000. Well, which one? Cause does he, Oh no, he kills the, the Tuscan Raiders in uh, episode two. They're not called Tuscan Raiders at that time. They are called sand people. Well, actually they are called Tuscan Raiders. Because in episode one, during the pod race, uh, and they're shooting, they say, oh, a bunch of Tuscan Raiders camping out on the sand dune. All right, calm down, Chewbacca. That wasn't 
All right. Quickly before we go, what are some of your favorite Star Wars games? Okay. Uh, hands down, I would say Star Wars Episode One Racer. Played of the course. shit out of that game on N64. I remember getting You're it so for Christmas. No, man. I, <laughs> I 100% of that game. So that, good. folks, means <laughs> it's a good enough game that it's short enough for David to play and complete. Well, no, it's still a fairly long game. I just had more time on my hands and a, a bigger attention span back then for the same game. Um, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2. The Jedi Knight games are just great, and I wish, and I know a lot of people are on the same page. I wish they would bring uh, Kyle Katarn um, into the like cinematic universe. He's such a cool character. He's kind of like a gray Jedi. Like he's forced, he's a forced user. He was learned to become a Jedi and then kind of left the Jedi Order. So he's kind of uh, he, he's like Ahsoka in a sense, where he can use the Force. He knows how to use a lightsaber, but he's not traditionally a Jedi. Good old and, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. And then there's there's so many other games, but I would say um, if I had to play any other game, it would definitely be uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Man, if we don't see Calcast as soon, and, and like, I think, I think we might get him in Obi-Wan. I have this feeling. and It could be a good feeling. It could be a bad feeling. Yeah, because I heard rumors that they had cast the voice actor. Um, the guy who played for, Jerome in Gotham? was Is that him? I don't know. Yeah. Um, they cast him again, but I don't know if it would be... Obviously, they would cast him again for uh, Jedi Fallen Order 2, but I heard that there was some more stuff that they were doing. So that could be kind of interesting because then that would directly connect the the video game to the Star Wars like cinema. And um, it would open up for oh, a whole other series as well, which would be co- pretty cool. It would, it would be, it'd be really cool, especially if it was to follow kind of Jedi fallen order. I think the story for Jedi is very good. Um, I'm a big, big super sucker fan for the Lego star Wars. Not even the one that just came out. Because like we played the shit out of the first six volumes mm-hmm. when we were in college, right? Like yeah, that the OG, one, the OGs, and then they added three more movies to it. Well, technically five, but who's really counting? Yeah. Um, Battlefront Two has a a sore sweet spot with me. It pissed a lot of people off, and nobody really plays it anymore. And it's just too bad because you're just playing droid bots. God. I wish EA didn't fuck that game up because it would have been like to this day, like it's just call of duty with star Wars. Well, there's still a pretty big community behind it, but the thing is because EA has stopped supporting it, there's a, a a lot of hatred (laughs) towards EA for that game again, because there's so much stuff that they could have put in there. Right, like so many more characters that they could have put in in that game, and they could have expanded it even more. Like they could have made that that could have been the equivalent of um, Rainbow Six Siege for EA. Uh, by and by that I mean for content wise, 
Okay. Right? Like Rainbow Six Siege, like they're still making content for it. Like they're still, or they had released content for years after release. And EA, yeah, they they supported the game. They had to essentially recreate the game after the backlash that it got when they released it. But they got to the point where they kind of released what they said that they were going to, and then that was it. But the Star Wars universe is so big that they could have added so much more stuff to it. Um, And it's unlikely that we get a Battlefront 3. But even then, by that point, it's like, should this this is just going to be a money grab because they could have just added this stuff to Battlefront 2. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's one of those games that I have a, a very love-hate relationship for. Cuz it's so easy to get immersed into it. But also like do you have 20 minutes to wait for a lobby? You know? Yeah, the loading times are pretty 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 darn bad. Now, the only other game I wanted to touch on, which I didn't play a lot of, I thought it was a really cool concept at the time, was Star Wars Empire at War. Oh, that was a good one. The top-down RTS? Yeah. It's like... I know other games have tried it. Halo is probably the best version that's not like Dune or Command & Conquer, but it tried. I think it's... I think it does some things very, very well. The charm of Star Wars is there as well. It would just... You need like a full-out top-down RTS in current-day Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine taking over Hoth in an area control strategy like that? Oh, let's go! Yeah. Um. Fun fact, there is a community mod for Star Wars Empire at War. Um, and they just released... Uh, it's called Empire at War Remake 4.0, the grand update. The 4.0 update is a total over- overhaul of the entire game, leaving nothing untouched. Forget everything you know about vanilla and the previous versions of the remake because it's a whole new beast. There's so much stuff. New maps, new minor factions, new economies, CG, AI, or Gal- Galactic Conquest AI overhaul. Like, There's so much stuff. New UI battle changes like the the community behind empire at war is still pretty pretty big um the obviously the game is dated but it's one of those like 3d rts games right and you can zone zoom in into the battlefield and yeah i'm gonna be downloading this they literally update released this like a month ago yeah i saw it. that's why like it re reinvigorated my brain oh my god you know i'm gonna be downloading this game loading up steam and installing this um after we record this episode nice well uh, <laughs> I-, I will not be doing that i will be uh i don't know what i'll be doing yet but it won't be that <laughs> i uh i will say that uh i'm very excited that we've hit another star wars month and uh a few short weeks away from obi nobi kenobi which is excited i uh I heard through the grapevine that we have uh, another exciting cash or crap coming up this month with our friend Max. We have a lot on the go this month and I'm really excited and uh, we want to know what you guys think. Um, What are your favorite Star Wars games and uh, what's your favorite part of Revenge of the Sith? Mine really depends on what mood I'm in. (laughs) Actually, the the Boba Fett stuff is pretty good at the end of the movie. In Revenge of the Sith? I'm making it up. 
Oh, okay. Well, we we obviously know the best parts <laughs> of Revenge of the Death. It's when Anakin's legs get burnt off. Well, no, his skin gets burnt off. His legs get cut off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is it for this one. Please check us out on all your favorite podcatchers because you're already listening to us and find us on socials for myself and David. He's so cool. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Scene on Screen podcast.